0: Merry Christmas. So what did you all do to get ready for Christmas? I mean, we talk about uh, buying and wrapping gifts. We we talk about decorating our homes. We talk about baking Christmas cookies and sending Christmas cards. I'm sure all of you have bought gifts for each other and others. And most likely you've decorated your homes, but how many of you actually baked Christmas cookies? That number is dwindling. How many of you actually wrote out Christmas cards and mailed them by post to friends and relatives and family? All right. Do you see how some of those, how many bought gifts? Okay, so we're doing some things, other things... I think, are going down. Do you know what I think is one of the things that is making its way up closer to the top of our list of things to do to prepare for Christmas? These days? Watching movies. You laugh, but you have a list, don't you? There are all kinds of top ten lists of holiday favorite movies you just have to see over the Christmas season. And watching them Watching these movies is just, it's, I think, moving its way up the list of must-do things to check off my list of celebrating Christmas or even getting ready for Christmas. I hope the nativity story is on your list. But you probably have some other ones on your list, too. It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, The Bishop's Wife, White Christmas, White Christmas. Elf, Christmas Vacation, Maybe Home Alone, A Christmas Story, all those. There's all kinds of top ten lists. Why? Why has watching movies become almost more and more something that we have to do to prepare for Christmas or even to celebrate Christmas? We all love stories. Stories we can connect with, Stories that we uh, can identify with that have good endings, especially at Christmas time when our emotions are just all over the map. C.S. Lewis said, Our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we feel cut off is no mere neurotic fancy, but the truest index of our real situation. We have this longing built into us to be part of a story because we are all part of a story. There there is a true story that God has been writing since the very beginning and we are all part of that story. We are part of a Christmas story. We are part of the Christmas story. Do we identify with it? Do we identify the real Christmas story that we are all part of as well as we identify with the stories that we watch? Well, one of uh, the most popular Christmas movies of all time is a movie called A Christmas Story. It came out in 1983. It's on it's 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 really in most top ten lists, and sometimes it's near in the top three of those top ten lists. Came out in 1983, and it, it basically it shows a typical family from Ohio celebrating Christmas in the 1940s. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Doesn't matter. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. There's some good in it. There's some bad in it, but it does have all the elements of good story. And people connect with this movie because there are things in this movie that we can all identify with. So we're going to look at a Christmas story and the things that we identify with in this movie and see how those things are the same things that we also identify with, but in a much different way and sometimes in an opposite and kind of upside-down way or a very different way in the much greater story, the real story that we are all part of the Christmas story. The first thing that we can identify with is this. Being great in our own minds. All right, being great in our minds. Little Ralphie, who is the main character of the story, was great in his own mind. He regularly had daydreams throughout the day of how great he was. And he he, he had visions of himself as Sheriff Ralph who protected his family from evil black Bart. And when he was brave with his trusty BB gun and um, they were all cowering in fear. He also had vision of himself as a heralded writer um, who was adored by his teacher. He had visions of her giving him an A++++++ for this essay, this theme he wrote that was titled, What I Want for Christmas. And in reality, his theme or his essay was really a a one um, poorly worded, run-on sentence with bad grammar and bad spelling. But in his mind, it was the greatest thing that was ever written. We can identify with this, you see, because sometimes we are great in our own minds, sometimes we make ourselves to be greater than we really are, right? Maybe you're not agreeing with me yet, but um, we deserve the A++++. We can do it better than other people can do it. We, um, we, we get impatient with other people because we're so great, or we, get, uh, we dismiss other people because they aren't as great as we are, we should be appreciated a whole lot more than we are we, we often assume that everybody is thinking about us and we get upset if they aren't well why wouldn't they be thinking about my needs why wouldn't they be thinking about um, my feelings why wouldn't they be considering uh, what i want why wouldn't i get a raise i deserve to be paid way more for what i do i got you there We, we, we all do this. We, we, we are great in our own minds. We, we like to make ourselves great when sometimes we're just a little bit small. So Ralphie's supposed greatness is something we can identify with. But then you have the Christmas story. God isn't great in his own mind. He just is great. Great. He created the heavens and the earth and the universe and all that is in it. He is all knowing, almighty, all present, eternal. But when God came down to this earth, He didn't come in greatness, He came in humility. Born as a helpless baby, naked and crying. Born to an impoverished young couple who weren't even married yet, dirt poor. Not in a a nice palace or a hospital, but laid in a manger, a feeding box where animals ate out of. There, There wasn't even room for him to stay somewhere that was warm and safe and comfortable. Mary wrapped him in strips of cloth because she was too poor to have anything else. She was too poor to have anyone else do it for her. So he spent his first night in a place where animals normally stay. Do you see the irony? It's the first point for tonight. We make ourselves great even though we're small. God made himself small even though he's great. We often first think about how others are going to serve us, right? God first thinks about how he can serve others. Listen to this passage from Matthew Matthew 20. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ralphie's supposed greatness is something we can identify with. God's actual greatness is something we can only marvel at. Check this out. God made us great by making himself small. How is that for irony? He made us great by making, he he came to make himself small so that we would be great, so that we would have something to look forward to. That's how he served us. He served us by coming to earth and and living his life for us and then giving his life for us. Let's thank and praise him. How? By trusting in him, by worshiping him, by living like him instead of living like us. Right? By, By making ourselves small even though God made us great. But by serving other people, by thinking about their needs first, their interests first, their needs first, by treating them great. So we often make ourselves great even though we're small. God made himself small, even though he's great, so that we could be great, so that we could be his children. A second thing we can identify with in a Christmas story is this, trying to earn what we want so badly, okay? Ralphie tried so hard to convince his parents to get him the gift that he wanted. He wanted a Red Rider BB gun and he was obsessed with it. That is all he thought about. That is all he talked about. He, he left hints all over the house. He worked it into every little conversation he could. He, he tried... He tried making his parents want to get that gift as much as he wanted that gift. He tried bending their will to his will, making them want to do this thing for him. He was obsessed with it. He tried leveraging his parents. He tried leveraging his teacher. He tried leveraging Santa. His whole life revolved around making certain that he would get this gift. Well, we can identify... Because we've all done the same thing. Embarrassingly, I did the very same thing that Ralphie did when I was Ralphie's age. It wasn't for a BB gun, it was for a Star Wars snowspeeder. But embarrassingly, we all still do the same thing no matter what age we are. Don't we? We, we all, um, we get obsessed with stuff. We get obsessed with wanting certain things. We get obsessed with, with getting certain gifts. With with getting certain things, and we we use other people to get them for us. We we um, we leverage people. We justify spending on ourselves. We we all want stuff. We all want something in the end. And even if you have curbed your materialistic desires, you still approach Christmas wanting something. Wanting, if nothing else, to to earn gratitude for the gift that you give, or earn. Gratitude for the thing that you do for someone, or even earn the title of best parent, or best spouse, or best friend because of all you do or what you give. We all want something. I think we can all identify with Ralphie's trying to earn what he wanted. The sad thing is that our desire to earn gifts doesn't end with Christmas. We also can't help wanting to earn God's approval. God's love, God's acceptance of us, God's forgiveness, God's peace, his joy, his hope. We try to earn what only God can give. God didn't try to get something for himself, but to give us something, a true gift. God earned our gift for us. It says in Titus chapter 3, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. God gave us the greatest gifts of all, salvation and eternal life, not because we did anything to deserve those, not because we left hints around the house, not because of any righteous acts that we had done. And this is going to be a little bit humiliating, maybe a little bit embarrassing, but there aren't any. There aren't any righteous things we've done that could earn what God gave us. None. Our, Our most righteous acts, the scripture says, are like filthy rags. Filthy rags that do not make us ready for the coming of our Savior. We can't earn this. See, we can identify with Ralphie. We can identify with all of us, with the people of the world who who have to earn what we get. We we get that. But it's impossible for us to, to identify with this, an undeserved gift from God. So all it can really make us do is just sit back in our seats and ponder what an awesome God we have. And what an amazing story it is that he is writing for all of us, that he is carrying out for all of us. The shepherds were changed forever by what they had heard and seen. They, they couldn't keep quiet about what God had done for them and what God had done for all sinners, for, for us. Are your Christmas preparations not moving you the way the shepherds did? It might be because you're focused on the wrong gift. The the one that you're trying to earn instead of the one that God gave you. A third thing that we can identify in a Christmas story is this, getting in trouble by not listening to advice. A Christmas story has some classic examples. Don't stick your tongue on a frozen flagpole because it is going to stick. And of course, the classic of all classics, you'll shoot your eye out, which is the answer Ralphie got every time he asked for that BB gun. Both of these are pieces of advice that should have been listened to. Both of them came true. Sometimes we listen to worldly advice. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we should. Sometimes we shouldn't. What is amazing to me is how often we don't listen to God's advice to his word. It tells us what he's done for us, but do we ponder it? It it shows us how to live, to to thank him and and honor him, but do we listen to it? It It gives us all the faith and hope and strength we need for life in this world because it is true. Let's listen to it. We get in trouble when we don't listen to the truth. When we dismiss God's story, we miss out on his truth. That, that, that he made us great by becoming small. That, that he came to, and earned our gift for us. That he came into this world and lived for us and saved us and forgave us. Before, before listening to worldly advice, we have to evaluate if it's true but we can always listen to God's word because we know that it's always true. Listen to this, think about this. Mary had been living in Nazareth. We read Luke two, Mary had been living in Nazareth, but the Bible, the Old Testament prophecy said that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. At just the right time, Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor from thousands of miles away, makes a decree that puts Mary in Bethlehem at just the right time with no intention on her part and certainly no intention on Caesar's part to fulfill a prophecy. But if she stays in Nazareth just a little while longer or if she had gone to Bethlehem just a little bit earlier so she could get back to Nazareth for the baby to be born in a house, the prophecy fails. Only God could make a promise, a prediction like this and have it come true. Friends, that's because this is not just a story. This is real. This is true. Let's listen to it. The shepherds listened to the angels and they believed. They didn't go to Bethlehem to see if this thing has happened. They went to see something they already believe had happened. They believed that it was the Lord that had told them through the angels. Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She understood, she realized, she knew that she was part of God's story and she dwelt on it. She pondered it. Friends, you and I are part of God's story. We are the people that he came to save. Let's treasure all these things up and ponder them in our heart. Let's dwell on them. Let's be in the word. Let's be in in the Christmas story, because it's true, and this is how we grow. A fourth thing we can identify with from a Christmas story, being tortured by a bully and wanting revenge. Now, every story has a villain, and a Christmas story has a villain, and the villain in the Christmas story is the neighborhood bully named Scut Farkas. As Ralphie said, he had yellow eyes and he was mean and he was cruel and he tortured poor Ralphie and Randy and their little buddies day in and day out. On a regular basis, they couldn't get to school and back from school without getting tortured by Scott Farkas. Until one day, finally, Ralphie went nuts on him and got his revenge. We can identify, because first of all, I'm sure we have all had a bully that has made life difficult for us sure we all have an enemy that has made life challenging for us and tortured us. And I'm sure we have often wanted revenge toward our enemy, our bully. And sometimes we have often stooped to the level, to their level, or to the tactics of the world to get that revenge, and the world has cheered. Friends, we all have a real enemy in our real story and we can't defeat him. He defeats us on a regular basis, and he wants to harm us a lot worse than making us say uncle. He wants to destroy our souls eternally, and we're powerless against him. But in the Christmas story, God defeated our enemy and gave us victory over him. You see, every good story also has a savior, but only one has a real savior. Jesus was born a savior to save us forever. See, a baby wasn't born who would become a savior. A savior was born. He was born a savior. And a heavenly host came out and celebrated peace. And they said, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. They they wanted to show how this event was being regarded in heaven and probably also how it should be regarded on earth you have a heavenly host celebrating peace. Now another word for host is army. It was an angel army. You had an army celebrating peace. And when you have an army celebrating peace, that means there's been a victory. A victory. That army was celebrating the victory that because Jesus came down in this world, there would now be peace between God and us because of what Jesus was coming to do. There's a passage in 1 John 3 that says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus defeated Satan for us, but not by stooping to his tactics, and getting revenge. Jesus defeated our bully by allowing himself to be tortured. Our Savior defeated our enemy by being defeated. He came down to this world, made himself small, lived as one of us, and then he allowed himself to be mistreated. He he allowed himself to suffer at the hands of his enemies. He allowed them to torture him. He, He allowed them to place that cross on his back and walk it up that hill. He allowed them to nail his hands to it. He allowed them. He gave his life up willingly to pay the price that we could never pay three days later, he he burst out of that empty tomb alive to give us the greatest victory we could ever imagine, forgiveness and eternal life. Something that we have the sure hope of always. He gave us victory. The fifth thing we can identify with in a Christmas story is wanting love in spite of all of our dysfunction. Now, one of the reasons so many people love a Christmas story is because in spite of all of their craziness and awkwardness and dysfunction, the Parker family really do love each other. Look at all the dysfunction you have in this family. You have, you have the dad who's, who's such a poor communicator. He's got a short temper. He has a strange fascination with this, this strange reward he receives. You have little Randy. He won't eat. He has to be fed like a little piggy. You have Ralphie, who's obsessed with everything. You, you just have a lot of craziness and awkwardness and dysfunction in the family. But in the end, They all love each other. And in the end, the the final scene, you have mom and dad arms around each other as Silent Night is playing in the background. We can relate to this. We can identify with this because we all have a little dysfunction in our lives at times. We can all get dysfunctional at times, especially at Christmas. Christmas is an emotional time for every single one of you in this room. This, you can't deny this. It is an emotional time. There, there are emotions pouring through you right now. But it's not just all one emotion. It's all kinds of emotions. Sure, there are the happy, joyful emotions, the, um, of, of the, 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 the joy that, that comes from you know, food and, and music and gifts and, and sleigh bells and family time and, and traditions. But there's also the difficult emotions of Christmas. Missing family members because of bereavement or separation um, suffering during these darker months, suffering from seasonal affective disorder, suffering from stress of of work and getting ready for big, you know events, um, suffering from um, maybe pressures, financial pressures, job pressures, maybe it's difficult childhood memories that are made new again every year, and so we can all get pretty dysfunctional, <laughs> especially around Christmas time. Um, We can all get dysfunctional at times. In fact, really, because of sin, we can get dysfunctional all the time. But here's a truth that I want us to take home tonight. God loves us in spite of how dysfunctional we are. Think of how dysfunctional the people in God's story are. You got Joseph, a dirt poor carpenter who really doesn't talk. You got Mary, a pregnant virgin girl. You have the shepherds who were outcasts of society. They were actually under, shepherds were under the rabbinic ban because of their isolation from religious observances. So basically they didn't go to church a lot, and so they were considered outcasts of society. Then you have us. Look at the dysfunction in our lives. Selfishness. Greed. Lust. Addictions bad attitudes, bad uh, uh, decisions, bad behavior, um, self-centeredness, pride, dysfunction. Friends, at the end of the story, at the end of the Christmas story, how it ends up, the real story that's true, is that God loves us. That's the ending to the real story. God loves us. Listen, we couldn't live with him, so he came to live with us. He became homeless so that he could welcome you home. Listen to the words of Scripture. I bring you good good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And the final thing that we can all identify with, unexpected endings. Every good story has an unexpected ending. In a Christmas story, you all thought that finally everything was going to just be great and and end well, and the Bumpus' dogs come in and destroy Christmas dinner. They had to go eat at a Chinese restaurant, and they end up having fun, but it was not what they expected. The Christmas story, Jesus' Christmas story, also had an unexpected ending. The scripture says, a Savior has been, this is what the angels said to the shepherds, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So what would you expect next? So go to the palace. Go to the king. No, what would you expect next? Not this you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There's a heavenly press conference going on that that blew away any earthly press conference there's ever been. They're announcing the greatest news there has ever been announced. A Savior is born. Christ the Lord God has become man tonight and he has joined us and dwells among us. And then baby in a manger unexpected. Jesus wasn't what we expected. You can try to get ready for him all that you might, all that you will, but even our most righteous acts are like filthy rags. There's no way we can earn the gift that Jesus is for us. Jesus was not what we expected. We needed healing. We expected a great doctor. We needed delivery from oppression. We expected a great warrior. We needed hope. We expected a great leader. We needed forgiveness. We expected an angel from heaven. We didn't expect Jesus. Poor and humble and lowly, just like us, human being just like us, just like us in every way except one. He was without sin. He was the son of God. And so he took all of our sins on himself. He bore our burdens. He carried our sorrows. He carried our sins on himself and took them to that cross and paid the price we couldn't pay. And friends, he gave you and me forgiveness. He gave us light. He gave us life He gave us peace with God. He gave us joy. He gave us hope. And that, that is what the Christmas story means to us. Amen.